Hi, I'm Marty. I'm from Inverness in Scotland, and I'm a fan of Real Valladolid in Spain. Hi, Marty. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are things in uh, Inverness at the moment? Yeah, things are good. Um, it's especially good if you like rain, and if you like grey clouds, it's uh, yeah, it would certainly be your place. But um, generally, it's been quite nice. But uh, yeah, today today's been a little bit different, but generally okay. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the same, it's exactly the same here. But do you get uh, warm rain or do you get cold rain like us? I I wouldn't call it uh, as cold as your rain, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> our rain goes sideways. <laughs> oh no, we 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 don't have that. We just have a lot of it. A lot of it, yeah. yeah. Same here. You said you were on a break at the moment. Yeah, I'm just on a little holiday from work, so I've been catching up on the uh, more mundane things of domestic chores around the house, but it's also given me a good chance to catch up on a lot of the football news and just um, things are moving so so quickly because there's such a short break in Spain at the moment between the end of this last season, which is kind of still going on with the second division teams playing their mm-hmm. playoff uh, race to, to get promoted to La Liga and some of the other teams are already in their pre-season training for the upcoming season so yeah it's been a good time to catch up on bits and pieces around the league and how's the site coming along yeah well i'm planning a a complete overhaul of the site i had started it at the beginning of last season and it was more geared towards producing articles um, match previews match reports um sort of updates on uh, player movements, that kind of thing, people coming in and out of the club and people leaving the club. But uh, my overhaul is to make it a bit more of a simplistic site to look at. I think it was too too wordy um, in its current form. So I'm trying to trim down the amount of uh, words that are on the screen and replace that with opportunities to click on uh, what will hopefully be a YouTube channel and the podcast as well which I'm hoping to launch at the start of next week too so exciting times ahead and just looking to uh, modernize it a little bit I think. I eagerly await your podcast. (laughs) Well I'll have one listener then that will will be good. (laughs) To begin with our first question for this podcast how and why Real Valladolid? Well, it's a bit of a strange story, but listening to some of your other shows, there have been other guests who have had equally interesting stories. But um, mine actually involved the team coming to Inverness, and that's really how I got into them. I have always been in, very interested in Spain, very interested in the culture and the people and the language. Ever since I was in secondary school, um, around my, my teenage years, I started going there on holiday um, just fell in love with the place and I've always been interested in football as well so when I heard that this team was uh, coming over to Inverness in Scotland for a, a, a pre-season friendly with our local side Inverness Caledonian Thistle I felt like I needed to go along and and watch um, I'd heard a little bit about the club in the past and we'll we'll maybe sort of get into talking about how I heard about them first of all but um it was a club that I had a small amount of knowledge about, but um, when I went to go and see them play, I was really struck by their very unique um, violet and white striped kits. It was 
kind of cool. It was like no other team I'd ever seen in in, in person before. So that was that was really my first experience of them and I was just hooked on the club straight away um, I was very captured with uh, how down to earth they were I'd spent quite a few years in the past following Barcelona around uh, various European games um, I'd been to see them play in La Liga quite a bit um, and the more I followed them the more I realized they were like these kind of unattainable superstars who as mere mortals weren't allowed anywhere near um, and they were all very uh, quite standoffish and any appearance that they made was very staged so when this team Real Valladolid turned up in my in my own hometown um, I got the chance to speak to them after the game some of the players were coming out and they were taking photos of the of the scenery because where the stadium is situated it's it's beside a body of water and they all thought that that was the the famous Loch Ness so they were standing on the other side of the street from the stadium taking photos of something that wasn't Loch Ness but uh, one of the players told me that's what they were doing and, and I said well Loch Ness is about between eight and ten miles in the other direction and we just had a bit of a laugh about that and he said well I'll keep it a secret I won't I won't tell the other guys so to go from this um very staged experience with some of the the, the elite players of the game in in Barcelona and also in my experiences of following the Spanish national team around you know and getting to meet a lot of the Real Madrid players and players from Valencia and really top top quality players these guys were just so down to earth uh, very engaging really friendly so I went back home and I fired up the internet and I found some fan websites, a, a couple of forums. Um, I went on there and I just introduced myself and said that I'd been to see the game, that I really liked the team, I really liked the welcome that they, they gave me and um, they just kind of suggested that I should be their new their new supporter from Scotland. So I took it as a bit of a joke and agreed to it and I was really... I wasn't expecting the the level of of welcome that these fans gave me. They were just they, they welcomed me with open arms. I mean, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but that's what that's what it was like. Um, I've heard other guests on your podcast talk about feeling like part of a family, yeah. and that's that's what it was. Instantaneously, they were so pleased that somebody from out with the the city or out with the region was taking an interest in the team and they couldn't quite believe that somebody from another country was interested in them so they kind of threw all this um friendship and warmth at me and it's just grown from there this was this was 10 years ago 10 years ago this month and yeah it's been a wild ride it's been an adventure it's been great fun and i'm just really grateful that i went along to the match that night or else i would have i would have missed something that has become probably one of the biggest things in my life one of my biggest passions and how did the site start uh my website it started because i was aware that there was a complete lack of information in english about this team even <laughs> Some of the other outlets, um, other Spanish football podcasts and websites that you can access, they tend to concentrate on the big two or three teams, Barcelona, Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid. Um, they would sort of dabble in Valencia, Villarreal, teams like this. But there's so much more to the Spanish league than just this handful of teams. The, the standard is really high. The passion for, for teams outside of the the, the elite level of teams is just massive. And I thought they've shown me such warmth and generosity that it's kind of my my task as an English speaker 
to to be able to to broadcast that to the the rest of the world. So I thought a website was a good place to start. Uh, Twitter as well. Um, Twitter is really where everything came to came together in terms of communicating with with fans and and becoming more well known, but also learning more about the club too. So I kind of feel it's my duty to to take all the the kindness that they've shown me and shine that outwards towards the world and maybe get a, a few more people interested in the team. That's brilliant. And um, someone like me knows a lot about the club since they've come up, obviously, to La Liga. And because of uh, the new owner. Absolutely. Ronaldo. So Yeah, that is... So what? What? Uh, how is he viewed by the fan base? Well, it's um, it's such a strange acquisition for him because obviously Ronaldo is, uh, you know, he's a two-time World Cup winner. He's he's widely considered one of the the greatest players of his generation, and and rightly so, I think. He's played for the biggest teams in club football internationally. He's played for Brazil. You know, he's won the top competitions. So when he uh, made the the segue into retirement there were lots of questions about what what he might do would he get into coaching that sort of thing but he he was found more in the uh, broadcast booths of, of various south american channels covering uh, brazil covering lots of uh, south american league football but he had made it quite clear that he would like to acquire a football club and become the the president of of that um, I don't think anyone in a million years would have imagined it would have been Real Valladolid. So that was a major coup for them in terms of uh, publicity because, you know, I was clicking on websites uh, that wouldn't normally mention Spanish football to, to begin with. And there was there was our team, you know, front and centre as the headline because if you know football, or even if you don't know football so, no, so well, you still know who Ronaldo is. The original Ronaldo, you know, he's so iconic around world football. So for him to take over a club like Real Valladolid made the world's media sit up and really take notice. And what I found in the last couple of months to a year is that that's that's been people's first experiences of hearing about Real Valladolid is going, oh, that's that's the club that Ronaldo owns. So from that perspective, he's definitely heightened people's awareness of the club. He has what he describes as a, a long-term project for the club that he's going to, he's literally going to build it from the grassroots up. Um, they've got pretty good facilities anyway, their their stadium. It's it's looking a little bit tired around the edges now. It was um, it was made for the 1982 World Cup. It was one of the, the World Cup venue games in, uh, in the 82 World Cup in Spain. But since then, it's been... A bit of a stranger to to renovation until last season, where they um, where they lowered the pitch and they removed that very eighties style moat that was around the pitch, so they could add more seats, they could bring people closer to the action, and also with the team cementing its status as a a, a top league team, they were able to uh, benefit from having further interest in season tickets, that sort of thing. So the capacity at the moment sits at around the 27,000 mark and they've got 22,000 season ticket holders. So what Ronaldo wants to do is really concentrate on the area around the stadium, improving the training facilities, improving the pitches that the team uh, does its everyday work on, but also that hosts their junior teams and their B team just to try and bring them up a level. 
uh, and, and to make the, the club a more attractive proposition to potential players coming in. I think what he wants to do is really try and attract the best players, best young players from around the region to come to Real Valladolid and develop themselves as a, as a player to hopefully try and get in the first team. Because although Ronaldo is an extremely successful player and a successful businessman, the club itself, when he took over, held quite a bit of debt. That's all being cleared off, so there's there's not a lot of money in the transfer kitty. So you know they're not going to go out and spend you know two hundred million pounds on you know a, a Brazilian superstar. They tend to deal mainly in the loan market or very very short term deals. So I think I was guilty of this as well. I thought Ronaldo's just going to come in and he's going to open his wallet and there's just going to be the big names coming to the club and you know, we'll be challenging for Europe, etc., etc. Um, I I jumped the gun on that. I was like many people. And I think some some fans have found it quite difficult to adjust to the mindset that this is going to be a slow burner, that um, Ronaldo is in it for the long haul. Um, he's developing a club of the future uh, and it is a project. And, you know, there's the old saying, Rome wasn't built in a day and I don't think Valladolid is going to be either. So what he's trying to do is kind of buck the trend of being the multi-millionaire owner who comes in and then just splashes the cash that he wants to build a sustainable project. And that kind of flies in the face of what modern football is doing at the moment. So I'm actually okay with it. Um, it would be great to see some some success in the short term, but I think they're really building for the future. And if people have the patience, I think they're going to see a club that develops into... Uh, a top six challenger at the very least. Uh, what is your earliest memory of the club? My earliest memory of the club? Well, we've spoken about the match that I went to go and see, but I kind of alluded to the fact that I knew a little bit about them beforehand, but but not too much. Yeah. Where that came from was actually sitting at home one day and watching the, the Spanish under-21 team playing England's under-21 team in a competition. Now, uh my favourite position in football is, is is the goalkeeper. I've always had a real interest in the goalkeeper. I think it's a really dynamic position. And as a as a young young boy growing up, that was that was basically the, the position that you could just throw yourself about and get the muddiest clothes and look like you had done the most of, <laughs> the most work. So so I love being a goalkeeper, and I've always held them in in really high regard. Um, and my interest in in Spain was was certainly helped by. Um, Iker Casillas playing in the national team and you know he was just and still is you know an an idol to me and and many other goalkeepers around the world so um, I was particularly interested by the under 21 goalkeeper who's a player called Sergio Asenjo so when I'd finished watching that match although Spain lost I, I was really quite kind of taken by his performance and I was thinking this could be the next Iker Casillas you know this could be the guy who comes up and and is his natural successor so you know my my little mind started kind of going over you know I need to find out a bit more about this guy um so I found out that he played for Real Valladolid and that he was a local boy uh, he was born in a place called Palencia which is just over 50 kilometers from the Jose Zoria Stadium so he's he was one of their own now he's a really interesting player because he he only played 47 times for Real Valladolid in the first team but he's so well thought of oh. and when you and I had a chat before about um you know choosing a club legend he he was the first person who who my mind went to um 
I didn't go with him, and we'll, we'll we'll get to that later. But he he was definitely a strong candidate because he's he's extremely well thought of, and his performances for Real Valladolid earned him uh, a move to Atletico Madrid, and this looked like this was going to be his 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 progression into the big time. This was going to be um, that was going to cement him as one of the top goalkeepers in the league and push for a, a place in the Spanish national team. Unfortunately for him, he suffered a series of pretty bad knee injuries. And for any footballer, that can be uh, devastating to have one. But he had two in quite quick succession. So he lost his place to a goalkeeper called David De Gea at one point, who was with Atletico Madrid. And, you know, I think he went on to do okay for himself. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he did okay. Um, he has his moments, but generally he does he does fine. Um so he he ended up struggling to get his place back when he returned from injury and he ended up being um transferred out to Villarreal now thankfully his his luck improved and he was able to to cement his place as as the number one choice and he he's still a, a very very good goalkeeper he's definitely been hampered by by the injuries and it, it's 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 quite sad because he he had huge potential and he never he never fulfilled that potential through no fault of his own i think it was just a series of bad injuries and then the difficulty in being able to to come back from that because if you're a defender you might get rotated into a squad uh, if you're coming back from injury but as a goalkeeper once a team settles on 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 a first choice goalkeeper it's very difficult for another player to come in and and, and and break into that. So he, he's actually played more times for Real Valladolid than he has for Atletico Madrid, but that's kind of where he he was most well known because that was that was the big move for him. Um he's he's so well thought of among the fans and he's got a lot of time for the Real Valladolid fans who still as a as a local lad and as a as a, a brief but really good servant of the club he's held in such high esteem. So that was what gave me my first exposure to Real Valladolid as a, as a team. I did a bit of background reading on them. Um, so unfortunately, when they came to Scotland to play that pre-season friendly, he had gone by this point. So I just narrowly missed out on seeing him, which would have been which would have been wonderful. But um, it is a bit of a goal of mine to, if you pardon the pun, to see him to see him in the flesh. So I think I'll probably have to get to uh, a Villarreal match, maybe maybe against Real Valladolid, that would be good to see. But he's one of these players that the the fans of his former teams don't harbour any ill will towards at all, even though he left, because they appreciate what he did for them. And he's just he's he's still considered kind of part of the part of the fabric of the club. So that was my first experience of of them before going to see the the match in, in Scotland and it just it's just grown from there. <laughs> Who is your club legend? My club legend is a striker called Victor Fernandez. Now, again, I've been listening to your podcast quite a bit and I've been really interested in the stories that people have, have told about uh, their their club legends for the club that they support. But the way that mine differs is like, I never saw this guy kick a ball for my team, ever. So he was... Um, yeah, he he was he was gone from there by by the time I got interested in, in mm. them. But my my digging into the club history and speaking to people, um, Victor was he he was a striker who spent two different 
periods of time with the club. And it's always interesting when a player leaves a club for another club and then returns just to see what kind of reception. When he came back the the second time, he actually um he actually played more matches and scored more goals the the, the second time round. So he was born in 1974 and he began his career with Leganes okay. uh, as a youth player. And then he progressed on to the Real Madrid C team and then on to the B team before going out to Tenerife on a permanent contract. And he was loaned out to Toledo during that time. So we're talking between 1994 and 96. So you're you're already building up the picture that this guy's a bit of a journeyman. He's one of these guys that have, have He's featured for for several different clubs, but Real Valladolid is the the club that he's he's played most for. So after Tenerife, he played four seasons with Real Valladolid. Um, in his first season, he scored sixteen goals, and the club finished seventh. Now, if memory serves me correctly, that's actually their best finish since they finished fourth way back, like in the mists of time. Their their best ever finish was fourth. And I'm just trying to remember when that was. That was about 62, 63, okay. if, okay. I, if I've got that right. Um, so there's not been a lot of success with this club. So for them to finish in seventh was a really, really good season. And he was a massive part of that. So all in all, in that first spell, he spent uh, 133 matches. Uh, 133 league matches and he scored 38 goals so that's not a massive amount but apart from the occasional player Real Madrid have never sorry Real Madrid Real Valladolid have never had a guy that just scores tons and tons of goals Um, they did have one and I'll get to him later on but Victor was it, it was more his work rate that was the the, the, the key to his game, he, he just seemed to have a real passion for the club and a real drive. Um, I've gone back through YouTube and I've got, I've, I've found websites with kind of historic matches of, of, of all different teams. So I, I, I've keyed in on a few that he's played in. Um, but also reading up on the history of the club and, um, I've made quite a few friends who have been longtime Real Valladolid fans and he's somebody that they speak very highly of as well. Um, you still see people going to matches with uh, with an old shirt with his name and number on the back. Um, so he moved to Villarreal in 2000 and he spent four seasons there before returning. And he had a really good strike partner the second time around at the club called Joseba Lorente. Now, he's probably most famous for being the, the, the holder of the record for the quickest goal ever scored in La Liga. So... That sits at 7.8 seconds, I believe, wow. uh, when they played Espanyol at home in 2008. It was almost literally right from the kickoff that they went 1-0 up. So um, he and uh, Lorente made quite a good pairing up front. So he was there for another four seasons, played almost 170 league games and scored 52 goals and then when he left he went to Cartagena and then on to Leganes for a couple of years then when he wrapped up his playing career at Leganes he actually became their manager for an extremely brief spell in 2012 where the club was kind of teetering on the brink of going down to the third division now in Spain you've got uh, the Primera is the top division then you've got the Segunda and then underneath that, you've got uh, a league called Segunda B, which 
many of the teams there actually don't play full-time football. So it's a bit of a football wilderness, uh, which kind of shows you that the third division, the one underneath that, yeah. would be pretty catastrophic for a club with any ambitions to to, to still be a full-time team. Um, so he managed to save them from relegation. So he's a bit of a cult figure there as well. And Leganes, uh, if you follow Spanish football, spent a couple of seasons recently in the top flight and only got relegated, I think, on the last match day of, of, of this year. So they've gone back down to Segunda, but they're a team who I think would, would be straight back up again. Um, so Victor, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's kind of one of these legendary figures that just represented the club very well. He wasn't flashy. He wasn't arrogant. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't one of these players that was just going to kind of blow you away, but he scored goals. Uh, football fans love goals and he really, really helped them to, um, to survival on quite a few occasions, which as we've, we've discussed seems to be the, <laughs> seems to be yeah. the objective for, for Real Valladolid. But to get them all the way up to seventh was a bit of a, a bit of a magical season, I'd say. And who are Valladolid's uh, rivals? That's a curious question. They, they have two main rivals, but they don't encounter them very much. Uh, okay. The first one I would say is a team called Sporting Gijón, who play in Gijón, which is to the north of, of Valladolid. And there's a bit of, uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of bad blood between those, those, those teams and a lot of making fun of each other between the, the two, sets of, two sets of fans. The last time they played Sporting Gijón was actually in the 2017 to 18 season, which is when they were both in the Segunda division and they played a couple of times against each other in the league. But then they actually met each other in the promotion playoffs and Real Valladolid were able to knock Sporting out in the first round, which was, you know, pretty uh, pretty much as good as, it, as good as it gets for for a lot of their fans um and then they went on to play against Numancia in the next round and they beat them and managed to get up to the the top division where they've thankfully stayed for for a couple of seasons since then sporting have really struggled they're in the lower half of the second division for most of uh, last season and they were nowhere near the playoff places uh, whatsoever at all so um it's difficult to have a rivalry i guess with with a team that you don't play too many times and i don't mean that in a in a you know we're better than them kind of way because we're because we're in in, in in the top division and, and they're not i would like it if the two teams shared a division i i would i would love to see sporting get promoted because i think a derby match between the two of them in the top division would be excellent but um I think we might be some some way off that that happening. Uh, they've also got um, another rival called uh, Cultural Leonesa. Now they were in the Segunda Division as well, but they've dropped down to Segunda B. So their trajectory is kind of going in the opposite direction of where Real Valladolid are going, and Sporting Gijón are kind of in the middle of that, with the wheels spinning, not really making any any headway or up up or down. So I would say that. Cultural are probably probably bigger rivals than Sporting are. Um, there have been some pretty uh, tasty encounters between the the two sides, but again, with Cultural dropping down, there's now two divisions between them, and unless they get drawn in the Copa del Rey or something like that, the the chances of them playing against each other are, are, are few and far between at the moment. So what we really need is is a team in the top division that we're rivals with and. Um, um, generally, I think they tend to 
play better against the teams around them, especially the the newly promoted teams, because they're going to be their direct rivals. We're never going to our, our seasons are never going to be deemed successful or, or otherwise based on your results against the big teams. If you beat one of those guys, it's a bonus, but your kind of bread and butter matches are against the teams in the lower uh, lower half of the of the division and against the teams in the relegation zone, because that's what's ultimately going to save your season or see you going down. And and Real Valladolid are your classic yo-yo team. They're they're up and down the the, the top two divisions, you know, fairly regularly. So, um, they although they don't have a, a rival per se in the top division the big games are against the teams that are closest to them and on points because it, it is a matter of survival most of the time. Player who you felt deserved a bit more praise for their time in the club? This will be quite a polarising choice for Real Valladolid fans um, because depending on who you are, you either love this guy or you think he's the worst player that's ever pulled on the shirt. I've gone for a player that just left this summer, a Turkish striker by the name of Enes Unal, who I was a massive, massive fan of. Um, I feel that he definitely didn't get the credit that he deserves because when we were speaking about Victor there, we mentioned that um, Real Valladolid are are not a team that usually scores a lot of goals. Um, But in the 2017 to 18 season where we gained promotion, we had a centre forward by the name of Jaime Mata, who now plays for Getafe. And he was outstanding. He was just, he he was like every Real Valladolid fan's dream come true. He was so prolific in his scoring, in fact. Made a couple, couple of notes in the successful promotion campaign he played 39 league matches, including okay. the including the playoffs. And he scored 33 goals in that time, which is just incredible. He was the reason that Real Valladolid got promoted that season. If he okay. hadn't played anywhere close to the level that he did, they just they wouldn't have been anywhere anywhere near the playoff places at all. And um I don't think it's been uh, detrimental to other players' contributions to say that he almost single-handedly just hauled them through the season because uh, in February of 2018, the team was 12th in the Segunda and nothing was working for them at all. Um, when he really started clicking, it was just, it was a, it was an absolute joy to watch and he just scored so many goals that they just catapulted up the league and on the last day of the season... Uh, I was fortunate enough to be there when they were playing at home against Osasuna and it was basically a winner-takes-all match. If Real Valladolid won, they got into the, the playoffs. If they didn't, if Osasuna won, uh, they would have leapfrogged Real Valladolid and they would have claimed the last playoff place. So it all came down to that final match and Real Valladolid won 2 nothing. Jaime Mata scored a penalty. And he went on to score another couple of crucial goals throughout the the playoff race. So he had already attracted quite a lot of attention from bigger teams. And when it looked like Real Valladolid were completely out of the running in the second division, he signed a a pre-contract agreement with Getafe to say that he was going to play for them in 
La Liga the next season. Now, a player of his caliber, that you know, that's his natural environment. He he needed to be in, in La Liga, so he took the very very difficult choice and just said, "I've done all I can with this team in terms of my own career. I need to I need to move forward." So a curious thing happened as Real Valladolid began to rise up the league and then secured a playoff place. There were actually questions surrounding, was he going to stay? Because if they got promoted to La Liga and he wanted to play La Liga football, could he stay with the club? So, you know, there was this huge social media campaign to try and change his mind and what have you. But one of the things I I respected most about uh, Jaime Mata, apart from the goals that he gave our club, was that he was loyal to his word. And he said, no, I have I have an agreement with Getafe and I'm going to honour it. So when they play against Getafe, uh, I think he scored against us this season uh, at the Jose Zaria Stadium. And although there, there were no fans there, his celebrations were really muted. Um, you know, he sort of clasped his hands almost apologetically. And I think that's, that's a mark of that mutual respect between uh, how he feels about the club and how the the fans and everybody associated with Real Valladolid feel about him. So when he left, he took his 33 goals with him. He took his second division top scorer award with him. And we were left with very little option. I think the team had scored something like, you know, seven goals in total through other players. So a huge part of, of our weaponry had gone. And we picked up a, a striker on loan from Villarreal called Enes Unal. And I think that unfortunately for him, he was a victim of Jaime Mata's success because people had fairly unrealistic expectations for him. Uh, I think the fact that he took the number nine shirt that Mata had worn the season before didn't help. So it was immediately drawing these these comparisons. You know, here's somebody who's stepping into the number nine shirt. Um, he needs to live up to that that reputation. Now, as much as I really like Enes Unal, and I do, he's he's not the striker that Jaime Mata is. So in his first season, he scored six goals for the club. So that was not the season we've just had, the one before. Now, three of those were penalties. And that kind of gives you, you know, gives you an idea that three goals from open play from a striker who played mm. just about every minute of the season isn't a massive return. So he was he was on the sharp end of a lot of criticism for that. But I really admired his work rate. I thought that he had a very tough task to step in and replace a better striker at a higher level of competition. Not only had they lost Jaime Mata, but they were going up against better better teams, better defences. Yeah. They, they were going to be on the back foot for most of the season. So obviously you know that that number of goals wasn't wasn't going to be achievable the fact that he only got 6 was slightly disappointing but i think people were missing the general point that he really worked hard for the good of the team he was one of these strikers that wasn't afraid to come all the way back to the edge of his own penalty area to make a tackle to win the ball back so at the end of the season he left uh, to go back to villarreal and people you know a lot of people were like oh thank goodness for that but I, you know, I, I I was getting a lot of flack from people because I was saying, I like this guy. 
I hope he comes back. I hope we sign him on a permanent deal. And people were saying, you know, what for? Six, six goals. But I think people lost sight of the fact that he was replacing a better striker who had played at a lower level. So it was it was a, a tough ask for him to come in and, and fill those boots. But he came back on loan for a second season because Villarreal had Gerard Moreno up front. Um, they ended up signing Paco Alcácer from Borussia Dortmund. So they were they were well stocked for strikers. And Enesunal just, he, in all honesty, he wasn't going to get anywhere near playing football at all uh, for, for, for Villarreal. So he negotiated a deal to come back and spend a second season uh, with us. And I think he scored uh, six goals again. So he, he, he scored one or two penalties. So again, the goal return wasn't massive, but just watching that, that guy week in, week out, he covered literally every blade of grass. He worked hard. He, he hurried up players uh, who had the ball. He closed them down quickly. He forced them into mistakes. So for me, it wasn't just about the goals. It was about what he contributed overall to the team with his work rate. And you, you never won some dropping his head and thinking that he was chasing a lost cause. Um, he, he normally played as part of two up front with uh, a player called Sergi Guardiola. And there was, there was an interesting bit where just towards the end of the season, um, Real Valladolid won a penalty and it looked like Enes Unal was going to take it. But he actually gave the ball to Sergi Guardiola to take the penalty because in a previous match, um, which finished nil-nil, I think it was against Levante, Unal had missed a penalty in the 96th minute that would have probably given them the win. And I think he felt that maybe... For this next penalty, he wasn't the right player to do it. So he was sacrificing the chance to become the team's top scorer for the good of the team. And I think that's quite a rare quality to find in a player. So I think he 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 got quite a lot of criticism, which was unfair um, because he was stepping into this really big task. But in general, I think he gave a, a good account of himself. And when he left Villarreal, sorry, when he left Valladolid to go back to Villarreal, at the end of this season, he wrote a note on Instagram to, to fans, as a lot of players do. And he, and he said, I hope you remember me as somebody who who gave everything for the club. And I think that's definitely the, the thing that people should hold on to. And in another plot twist, he's signed a permanent deal with Getafe. So now we face the prospect of, at the Jose Zaria next season, Getafe coming to town with a front two of Jaime Mata and Enes Unal. And, you know, I'm thinking... What have we got to do to hold on to these guys? <laughs> Young players, you're looking to see more of. Right. Well, life has thrown me a bit of a curveball in that respect because when we first broached the idea of doing this podcast and, and this was one of the, yeah. the items that we were going to discuss, I had I had one name in, in my head and it was Miguel de la Fuente, who was at the time quite a successful striker in the Real Valladolid B team, which is called the Promesas, which translates as promises, which I th- I think is a, a great name for, for for a group of young yeah. players coming through. Now, Miguel featured very occasionally prior to the pause in the season for the the, the COVID nineteen pandemic, and 
there were quite a few calls for him to be included in, in the squad um, to back up players like Enesunal and Sergi Guardiola. The other guy that they had playing up front last season was on loan from Everton, uh, a player called Sandro Ramirez, who had endured, I think it was about two years without scoring a goal, which for a striker is uh, remarkably bad. <laughs> so... Um, so young Miguel uh, was very highly thought of in the B team, seen as a real prospect, uh, a bit of a, a nugget of gold coming through from the the, the younger ranks. Um, he made it into the squad sporadically, but didn't feature. But one of the great things about the games after the lockdown being played in quite su- quick succession was that coaches were having to rotate their squads quite a bit instead of having guys playing um, two matches in the space of three or four days. So Sergio, spoken about him being quite conservative in his approach before, I think this really forced his hand that he had to open up the squad a bit more. So he included quite a few players from the B team to come through the ranks and feature in the, in the first team. There were players like Diego Allende, Kike Perez and Miguel, who all featured quite heavily in the last couple of games of the, of the season. So it was looking good for, for Miguel to get maybe a bit more of a shot this season. But from what I'm hearing is that he's actually going to be sent out on loan this season to another team. Now, I don't quite have that information to hand because it's it's been a pretty busy week and it's it's just been something that's that's been talked about this week. But that has completely and utterly destroyed my uh you know my ambition for him to come in especially with Enesunal leaving you know you've got to be thinking that there couldn't be a better time for him to to come in and make his mark but um it does make me think that we're going to end up picking up a striker of some description in the summer transfer market because with Unal going and Sandro Ramirez um leaving after his loan period it basically just leaves Sergi Guardiola as the only first team striker and we're not a team that plays one up front, and I think we'd score even less goals if we if we played with one up front. So, in terms of Miguel, I, I thought it was a great shot for him, but uh, it seems like Sergio has got um, plans for uh, somebody else to come in, and, and perhaps Miguel's future lies away from the club, you know, in in the long term. So we'll wait and see. But there is a, a defender called Roberto Corral, who is. Um, uh, a, a very good centre centre back or kind of left back as well. Um, he he might get a, a chance to come through the ranks this season. Um, there's other players like Seko Gasama who was out on loan in the second division last season. He's returned and I've seen lots of pictures of, of him on the club's social media um, training with the first team. So he could be a, a good bet to come through but uh, I have to admit to being more than a little bit disappointed that it's not going to be Miguel's time to shine for us in the upcoming season. Let's hope you you get that striker. Fingers crossed. They'll be they'll probably be phoning me to to come and play a match for them at, at this rate if they if they don't bring anyone in, <laughs> and nobody wants that. <laughs> a game that left you elated, and a game that left you disappointed. There could only be one game that left me elated, and that was the first time I ever set foot inside the Jose Zorilla Stadium and it was to watch that match that I spoke about against Osasuna in that winner-takes-all, you know, playoff contention battle. It was just electric. It was like 
nothing I've ever experienced in my life. And I have been at the Camp Nou with over 100,000 other people for a Barcelona against Real Madrid match. There was just something about this game and the and and that team that season which was had had come out of the darkness and shot all the way up the league and it was almost you know it was almost destiny that it was going to come down to this last match of the season against Osasuna to you know to to qualify uh the Jose Zorilla stadium hadn't been that full in quite a few years it was an absolute sellout the Weather was beautiful. the 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 way that the fans received the team bus was like something you'd see from a match in South America. You know, they were lining the sides of the street. Um, there was a fan zone before the game. The there were flares and there was confetti, and the bus just made its way slowly towards the stadium. And all the fans are chanting and singing and you know waving their scarves. And you know, people people I spoke to there have been going to see the team for a long time and, and they said this is this is like nothing that we've ever experienced. It was it was a crucial game and the whole the whole place was just there was such an energy about it. It was absolutely just, you know, I'm I'm having trouble describing it succinctly because it it was that good. Uh I think it was so good for me as well because it, that was my first time at the Josezuria. I'd only ever watched it on TV before. It was like stepping into somewhere that was so familiar that I'd never been before. Because when I'd been watching it on TV, they were playing in the second division and there was maybe 7,000 people there or 12,000 people. And they've got these beautiful uh, purple and white seats and a, a, a really nice design around the stadium. Don't get me wrong, as much as I love that, I would rather see fans in those seats. Um, so it was just, it was one of those perfect days where everything just clicked into place and Real Valladolid won the match. You know, it was a huge celebration afterwards. Um, the queue for the, the, the next match, the first round of the playoffs, the tickets went on sale on the Monday morning and the lines for that, uh, for the shop that was selling the tickets, it was four deep in places and it stretched up the street and round the corner and unfortunately I needed to go into that shop to buy a new suitcase for on the way home because all of the gifts that people had given me while I had been there didn't fit in the small bag that I'd taken and one of my friends who I, I, I met for the first time out there he said don't worry we'll go and get a new suitcase for you I know just the shop. So he took me to the shop and then his jaw kind of hit the floor because he he saw just this huge amount of people all trying to get into the shop to buy to buy tickets. So I was like, well, you know, what are we going to do? My 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 train back to Madrid leaves quite quite soon and uh, I can't take all these carrier bags with me. So he said, OK, watch this. So he started shouting at the top of his voice that this was the guy from Scotland it was here. This is the good luck charm. You know, this was the the talisman. This is the reason that you were promoted. You know, it was you know it was a bit of a joke, but it wow. was it was it was incredible to see people were just parting. You know, to make this path towards the shop for me. I was getting hugs. I was getting kisses on the cheek from people, and they're like, "Oh, we love you. You're our hero." It was like being a celebrity. It was so strange. Um, and then when we went into the shop, um, it was just full of people and somebody at the back of the shop got word that we were looking for the suitcase and I kind of had to 
point to the one that I wanted up on a high shelf and they took it down and people were passing it over their heads down to the the cash register at the front so I could I could buy it the guy gave me a discount for it gave me a big hug and you know they're all saying you've got to come back soon you know can you not stay for the playoffs so it was um it was absolutely incredible so there was there was such a fever about the city uh, around that game so that was definitely one that uh, um left me elated uh, there haven't been too many of those, to be honest, because uh, success is so few and far between. But, you know, one man's success doesn't necessarily translate to what another one perceives as success. It's all about working within the, the parameters. Um, I take I take as much joy in a, you know, a 1-0 win over Leganes as I do from, you know, um, Spain winning the World Cup. You know, that's, that's, that's how important each Real Valladolid match is to me. So... I think the the game that would leave me dejected was when the team got relegated from La Liga in 2014. They had been promoted in 2012 and had done okay, I guess is the best way of saying it, um, that, that season. But the following season, it was yeah just a bit of a disaster and it culminated with them being relegated on the last day of the season at home in front of their own fans. And for me, that can be the difference between uh, employees of the club having a job and not having a job. It can mean the difference between the team coming straight back up and fighting for promotion the next year, or you know, the there's it could be a, an infinite number of years spent scrapping against you know relegation again. So. With a lot of teams, you can almost be guaranteed that they're going to be coming back up after relegation, you know, pretty soon. But with Real Valladolid and and a strong second division, you just can't guarantee it. So, I remember we actually had quite a nice family day out. Um, uh, living so close to Loch Ness, we had taken a a, a, a cruise boat along what's called the Caledonian Canal, which leads all the way to the mouth of Loch Ness, and it opens up and you can just see so much in front of you and it's it's beautiful it's, it's like something from a postcard so we'd gone on a family day out to that but i had kind of been checking my watch as well because i knew that this game was on later and i'm trying not to be too nervous about it and uh, trying to enjoy the day so i got back and watched that game and unfortunately they didn't get the result that they needed and they dropped down and the you know it's the the classic shots on 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 TV of the players you know their faces in their hands are dropping down onto the floor but also one thing that really stuck with me was that you know you see shots of of fans in the stands and they look pretty distraught but um, one that will really stick with me was there was just one guy and everybody else around him had gone home and the the stadium floor around him was just a mess of newspapers of you know people taking in newspapers or the the, the sports pages from the newspaper and, and reading them about the game and they'd obviously just been dropped and, and left and they were blowing about in the wind and this guy was just sitting looking so utterly dejected and and that's something that will really stick in my mind because that's how much this club means to people you know they're not up there challenging for the league title they're not in Europe. They're not going on this miraculous cup run where, you know, they're going to end up being in the, the Copa del Rey final or something like that. But people genuinely have this club in their hearts. It it means a lot to them. It's been 
passed down through their families to you know onto them to becoming a fan and yeah just to see that guy looking thoroughly dejected it just mirrored how i felt and it it, it reaffirmed to me that distance doesn't come into it when you support a team uh, it's about how you feel about them and you've had people on your podcast who have supported teams in england um from very very far afield you've also uh, I was listening with with interest um, to the gentleman from London who supports San Lorenzo. And if I think that my team is far away, that is nothing in comparison to his. And listening to him speaking about the the passion that he has for them and the, the passion that the other fans share. And he spoke about community. He spoke about family. He spoke about a sense of belonging. And and that could have that could have been me speaking because I feel all those things for my team. I, I I feel so fortunate that I found them or that they found me. There was kind of a bit of both, I guess. But it's just it's something that you can't like you 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 can't teach. You can say you like a team, but until the 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 small wins mean that much to you and the losses are that painful, then I, you know, you just you just can't compare it. You you hear Barcelona sacking their manager when they're in first place in the league because they're not playing well enough. You know, I just I I I find things like that incredible. And obviously they're they're holding themselves accountable to different standards. But when you hear about them being in crisis because they didn't get very far in the Champions League or they finished second in the league. I would cut my arm off for my team to finish second in the, in the league, you know, see how, you know, how great it was when I was talking about them finishing seventh, you know, in, uh, in 2008 or, you know, finishing fourth in 62-63. These things don't really happen to our club. And I would argue that the, the fans who are really passionate about teams that don't have success just value their team so much more than the big teams who, 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 who base themselves on a perceived lack of success. And I think that's quite indicative of, of the modern world is that we don't take long enough to sit there and appreciate what we have around us. A lot of us think more about, oh, I want this or I don't have that or, you know, I don't have the latest whatever gadget it is. But deep down, we're, we're all very lucky that we're that we're here, that we have people around us who care. And maybe this has been overly deep and philosophical. And maybe maybe some people would say it's just football, it's just it's just a game. But I'm, you know, I'm really glad to find your podcast because I've just been I've just been hearing so many similar feelings coming through when people talk about their clubs. Now, I don't support San Lorenzo, I don't support Manchester United, I don't support Arsenal like you do, but I know that we have this common thread between all of us and there's masses of people around the world who will maybe not be in the stadium for their team's games week in, week out, but that doesn't stop them being massive fans of them. And I just think in this digital age where we're all brought together that little bit closer and you know you can watch your team on the internet or you can listen to them on the radio or you can go on their website, you know, people maybe didn't have that 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but we are so lucky to be able to indulge ourselves in, in, in these passions because before YouTube started broadcasting all the Segunda divisions live, free, 
I was scrabbling about trying to find really any stream that I could watch it on. You know, when I'm watching these really pixelated shapes moving about the screen with maybe an advert for like a betting website plastered across the middle of the screen. So you actually couldn't see a lot a lot of what was going on. But I was listening and I, and I was taking it in and just really feeling like I was I was part of something. And I guess it's it's human nature that you want to identify with something. You want to be part of a larger a larger picture. And this team you know, this team gave me the opportunity to to do that. And I feel really driven to to take what they've given me and extend that out to other people and to to welcome people in and say, you know, if you want to be a part of this family, you'd be very welcome as well. Brilliant. I think I think you put it really well. At a time where we are a lot divides us in many ways, football is something that football is something that can bring us together as well. As as sappy and as cliche as it sounds, but uh, it's a simple game, but it's very deep, I'd like to think. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's lots of emotions that you go through in a game, out of the game, and when you're following something as passionately as as we are, we invest a lot more than, uh, invest a lot more than just time. Yeah. And uh, and, and I think uh, what you said was, was so brilliant. Um, it's going to make for a great trailer. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's excellent. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just considering the the number of people that you've spoken to in your series so far, and there's such a such a a wealth of teams. You know, it's there's uh, there's teams in there that you wouldn't necessarily expect. There's teams in there that you think, yeah, I can understand. You know, people are really attracted to them, and that's you know, and that's great. And everybody has such a a, a unique story. But um, you know, you t- you take Leeds for example, and um, you know, we spoke about loyalty and that kind of thing. And I, uh, you know, I was in school with somebody whose father is from Leeds, so mm. they grew up as as Leeds fans. Mm. And you know, we're in 2020 now. This time. 20 years ago, I was on holiday in America and I remember sitting in my my great auntie's uh, living room watching the Champions League on TV and it was Leeds against Barcelona at the Camp Nou. And then you think about what happened to Leeds after that. They went on this incredible slide where it it just looked like they were never going to recover from it. So although I've got no... You know, I've got no. I'm, I'm not like a Leeds fan, you know, but I, I, I can understand what it must mean to them as as a club, but also as a city, to get back into the big time. And I just, I think it's great, and I wish them every success. And I can understand why people are captivated because they've got such a, a storied history, which it's almost like they, they they just dropped off the edge of the table. You know, they they had got you know all the way to the Champions League, you know, and they've had. Um, uh, Premier League title under their belt and everything like that. Really famous names: Eric Cantona, Thomas Brolin, household world football names. Uh, to go from that to to struggling, and people have genuinely stuck by them. I saw this yeah. brilliant picture on Twitter, and you know it got shared really widely of uh, a family. So it was a father with his daughter and his son, and after they got relegated, they they took a a picture of themselves and they were holding a sign saying Leeds we will be back and then underneath it it was them present day 
you know, as they are now, yeah. holding the sign saying we are back, you know, and I, I just, I think that's, I think that's great. So I've got a lot of time for a club like that. Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm, I'm very eager to see how they do. Very eager to see how mm-hmm. Bielsa, if he can stick around and just see how, how they, how they do. You mentioned earlier about family. You said your dad is a, a Real Madrid fan. Mm-hmm. How does he view your obsession with uh, Real Valladolid? <laughs> well, in a way, he's actually he's actually quite pleased with it because it meant that I stopped chasing Barcelona around Europe. Um, <laughs> so he kind of, kind of supports it in that way. I think he finds it a bit obscure as well uh, because if I get really excited and I try and tell him about Oh, Dad! You know, um, you know, we beat uh, we beat Girona one nothing. He's like, "All oh, right, have they ever won the European Cup?" And I'm like, "Well, no." But <laughs> I was like, "Oh well, my team has." You know, thirteen times. And I'm like, "Well, good for you." <laughs> um, but I think I think it, like you know because his pa- his passion about Real Madrid comes from his his own unique story about going to see them when when he was a young boy. And I try and put myself in the the position where you know, you take away the internet, you take away uh, satellite television, and you take away all the all the things that we have for our convenience now that we can just sit and watch just about any league in the world anytime that we want. We don't even have to watch it live. We, we can record it or we can catch up on it. And there's highlight shows and there's websites everywhere. And you've got, you know, podcasts now as well that, that, that are bringing people information. Back then, they, they basically just had the newspapers. They had limited television and they had word of mouth. And the word the word on the street, as it was at that time, was that the best team in the world was, was coming to town. And he just thought, I can't miss an opportunity like this. You know, see, he actually snuck in with his friends, you know, so they didn't even pay to see what's widely considered as the greatest game of football ever played when they beat Eintracht Frankfurt 8-3 and... You know, unless you're oh, unless you're Bayern Munich and Barcelona, you don't see ten goals in a a European competition. You know these yeah. these these days very much at all. So for for him, that was a a unique way of just going to see what was the the greatest show in town at that time. And he's he's just held on to that. And you know, furthermore, um, you know, I've discussed that. Uh, that my dad's profoundly deaf, so he went deaf when he was in his in uh, in his twenties. So he he hasn't heard for a very long time now. But one of the things that he he consistently says that he can remember is the noise of over one hundred twenty thousand people all crammed into Hampden Park Stadium in in Glasgow to to just watch this spectacle unfold. And you know, you and I just wouldn't know what that sounds like now. And he's kind of got that frozen in his head, so it just makes it all the more special for him that he can he can go back and he can remember it in in such a unique way. So, you know, everybody's story about their their team are just different, and I feel very lucky to have a unique story about mine, and I know that he does about his, and and you do about yours, and so on and so forth. And it's just it just all adds to that richness of the story of football around the world and how accessible it is for for people and it's just it's just a joy to share i mean you spoke about it being uh, about things dividing us you know but equally football will unite people in a way that very few other things on on earth can so it's like that two-edged sword that 
it, it can have a, a power of good and a power of bad. And, you know, I just prefer to focus on all the things that it, all the positive things that it can bring us. And there are a, a huge number of, of those. So my dad and I had long spoken about having a boys holiday where we'd jet off to Madrid and we'd go and, you know, sample the, the finest football that Spain has, has to offer. Now, um, I spoke about going to see the Barcelona-Real Madrid match uh, before. Now, he and I went together for that, but <laughs> that was 1999 and, you know, we're a long way removed from that. And we'd always spoken about, wouldn't it be great to have a, a return fixture or, or just for him to be able to go and see Real Madrid in their, their home stadium and do the do the museum tour. Now, you know, my dad's a lot older now. I think we're we're both accepting that that's, uh, that that's never going to happen. But um, one of what is arguably the best moments in my life was when I was on my way back from Valladolid to Madrid um, before I flew back to Edinburgh with my with my brand new suitcase that people had handed me in, in, in Valladolid. I, I I was trailing that behind me and I, th- I, was, I was quite short on time and I was quite short on budget. And I thought I would love to just go and see Real Madrid Stadium from the outside because no matter how much what you feel about it, uh, another team some things in world football you just have to see and I would have just loved to have been able to to tick that off the list don't get me wrong I'd like to go and see a game there but just to be outside I think was you know I was thinking this would be fantastic and when am I you know just a guy from the highlands of Scotland gonna have too many more chances where I could just go hmm should I go and see the Santiago Bernabeu Stadium today? So I thought, you know what, let's let's just do it. And then using the wonders of, of technology, uh, I had planned to FaceTime my my mum and dad at home. So I sent a, a sneaky little text message to my mum just to say, is dad going to be around in the next little while? And she said, yes, yes. I said, well, okay, make sure you're together because I'd like to, to FaceTime you. So the best thing about uh, FaceTime or, you know, any other kind of video call is that I I can speak to my dad directly because he lip reads. So, you know, the clarity of these things is, is such that he can he can pick me up easily now. So I, I made my way to Real Madrid Stadium and I was a bit short on cash and um, I was kind of watching the taxi meter going up a bit. And I, I happened to, to notice that the taxi driver was playing uh, a Travis CD. Now, that might be a bit of an obscure reference for, for, for some people listening to your, your, your podcast, but Travis are a, a Scottish band who, you know, kind of moderately successful. Um, and uh, I just thought that was quite a strange thing for this, this guy in a Madrid taxi to be listening to. So I struck up a conversation and said that it was from Scotland, the same place as, as them. So he got really chatty and, you know, he cut me a bit of a deal that I got uh, a little bit of money off the, the taxi fare. And he dropped me right off at the door at, uh, at the Santiago, Santiago Bernabeu Stadium. So I called my parents on FaceTime and they were both together on the screen and they were like, oh, hi, son, how are you? How are you getting on? So um uh, I was I was holding the phone up and I, and I had the stadium in front of me so that they couldn't see it. And I said to my dad, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, but I'm on my way home. I'm in Madrid at the moment. I'm, I'm a little bit lost. So um, I'm, I'm kind of looking for some sort of landmark to, to clue me in as to where I might be. And as I did that, I turned around so that they could see the, the stadium over my shoulder. And my dad's face at that point is something that I'll never forget as long as I live. His expression was like this mixture of like 
shock and like love in his eyes and he you know he was stammering and he says that's that that's not what I think it is is it and I was like it sure is. So I got a little bit closer and I showed him the the the, the badge, the, the Real Madrid badge above the, the the doors at the front of the stadium and everything like that. And he was absolutely delighted. He was just, he was really, really emotional and he was just so pleased. And he just, he was like, oh son, that's just, that's just magic, you know. So uh, I'm really glad that, uh, that I did that because, you know, we're not going to get the opportunity to, to swan off together, you know, um, just the way that life goes. So um, that was a really special moment, and that's that's something that I'll I'll carry with me. And um, you know, we spoke about uh, the last time we talked about how I keep the the train the train ticket from my journey from Chamartin Station in Madrid out to the airport. Uh, I keep that with me um, quite a lot, actually, because um, it just reminds me of of my dad's face and just how much joy uh, a fairly simple little gesture like that can can bring to somebody and it just showed how much that club means to him and how much he just you know he was just in awe of seeing it and that was such a such a special thing to be able to do so definitely a, a long-lasting memory for me last time when we spoke you also talked about uh, your son and his passion he, he also is a faraway fan in a way i guess he is yeah i'd never thought about it like that actually but um yeah, my 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 seven year old son Cameron, who's well heading towards being eight in October, he is unfortunately for you a massive ta- Tottenham Hotspur fan, and if anybody thinks that I'm passionate about football, they should just spend five minutes in his company because I don't even come close to to how passionate he is. So when he was five, he woke up one morning and um, he had. He had a passing interest in football, you know, before. Um, but he woke up one morning when he was five and said, Dad, I'm a, did you know I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan? And I thought, oh, right, OK, very good, very good. You know, that's that's nice. Um, and anyone, anyone who's ever met him knows that when he gets interested in a subject, he gets interested to the point where he could produce a thesis on it. He reads everything that there is to read. He watches every YouTube video. So whatever he's into at the time, and there has been a, a multitude of different interests, but the one that's really, really powerful for him is um, Tottenham Hotspur. Now, we have no connection with Tottenham Hotspur as a family at all. No one in my family has is a fan or has been a fan. Uh, no one in my wife's family is a Tottenham fan or has ever been a Tottenham fan as far as we're aware. But somehow he's got all of us every weekend checking to see what the Tottenham Hotspur score is um you know my wife's family support uh, a different football team but the one thing that you know really unites us all when we're with him is that we've all just become these um kind of surrogate Tottenham Hotspur fans and and again you know it's just like the the power of football this is something that he has decided that he's just going to throw himself headlong into so it's every aspect of the game it's the stadiums the buses the players boots the the stuff that they wear to warm up on the fields um history of a team uh, squad numbers you name it he is really into it and uh yeah, I, I, I like to think that whatever I've accomplished in the, the field of 
covering football is just going to be eclipsed by him because he's already showing an interest in presenting things. He's um, very good with his pronunciation of of players' names of you know different languages, different countries. Um, Son is his favourite Spurs player, and and Harry Kane. So you know he he claims that he wants to be English because. Harry Kane's English, and as a Scottish person, that's not something you hear yeah. very, <laughs> very often. But we're like, hey, you know, this is this is this is absolutely fine. We'll we'll totally support it. So he, you know, he claims to be a big fan of the England team as well. Um, he likes watching their games. He just loves the sport. He just loves, well, he loves sport in general. Um, but football is is a massive passion for him. And I can't help but be passionate about it as well. You know, I, I, I got disappointed when Spurs got knocked out of the Champions League because I knew that he'd be disappointed in it. And if you told me that 10 years ago that I'd be keeping an eye on the Spurs scores, I'd be like, well, why? <laughs> but then I suppose if you told me 10 years ago that I'd be, you know, um, massively involved in a in a fairly low-level Spanish football team, I would have told you you're crazy as well. But life's got a funny way of um, throwing these things at us, doesn't it? It does. It does, doesn't it? And I, lo- I love that. That's three generations of faraway fans. In the same family. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I hadn't considered it that way, but that's a, that's a really valid point. And maybe, you know, when you get into, I don't know, season 12 of the Faraway Fan podcast, then, um, you know, you'll be able to, to have an interview with him. But uh, he's very keen to kind of help me with the podcast that I'm trying to launch and He's very articulate. He's come up. He's come up with some great ideas. He's told me a little bit about video editing and you know who whose videos I should be looking at to try and you know base them on. And you know he's got these um, really great ideas about um, football on TV and about adverts for it. So yeah, it's 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 definitely something that educationally I think can be applied to a lot of different situations because you know he's looking at. Uh, you know, looking at maths to do with average goals and the difference. You know, if somebody somebody wins by five three, you know, how many goals difference is that and that kind of thing. So he gets these things worked out. You know, he loves drawing, so he he draws kits and he draws badges and stadiums and all sorts of different things. And so and he's already showing a uh, an interest in learning Spanish. He's got quite a few phrases already, and <laughs> you know he'll. He'll ask to record a video on on WhatsApp and send it to Spanish friends of mine to tell them what he's up to, you know. So I find myself standing with my trouser legs rolled up in Loch Ness, filming him in the water, splashing about because he wants to tell people in Spanish that we're at Loch Ness and he's the Loch Ness monster. You know, it's it's wonderful. So well, so many so many cool things is. just to just to share in. So as a as a parent, that's that's pretty 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 awesome. I think. My name is Cameron. I am from Inverness. I'm a fan of Tottenham Hotspur. Most people, when I talk to them about mementos, they talk to me about kits, talk to me about scarves. Uh, so far, you have the largest memento mentioned on this podcast. I want you to tell us about the shed. Oh, the shed. Yes. Ah, uh-huh. well, if I... <laughs> If I um if I turn if I turn my head to the side I can I can see the shed from here. So, yeah, we've got a very small garden at the back of our house, and um, uh, we have a shed in it. Now, some people might not be sort of um, too up on what the Real Valladolid colours are, but anyone who's who's listened to your podcast, the 
the the logo that you have, the cover art uh, for your your podcast, is pretty much the same color as a Real Valladolid kit. The um, the sort of the light the light purple and, and white, and that that's a really unique color. I mean, you've got teams like Fiorentina who wear it, but there's very few that have that shade of uh, violet. Um, and it's a bit of a contentious issue at the moment because Adidas, who have the contract to do our our kits, really kind of missed the colour by a long way, you know, with the last kit. And there were high hopes for this season to be a bit better, but they've introduced a, um, a, a stripes with a fade that start off really quite dark purple, but work their way up towards the shoulder. That's a bit more like the the traditional club club colours. But um, as as any super fan of a, a, a club will do, they they you know do these these odd little things and when our shed was bought i noticed that the door was um the the panels of the door went up and down and i thought that's like the stripes on a football shirt hmm i wonder if i painted it violet and white on the door and then i thought i wonder if i just painted the whole shed violet and white so yeah um i think what i'll do probably on my uh Twitter page. Just quite recently, there's a there's there's a there's a photo that I took of not just my my uh, violet and white shed with the Real Valladolid logo above the uh, above the door. Uh, there's also featuring my uh, my matching uh, bath towels that I had hang out on the washing line um, <laughs> with the with the violet and white stripes on it as well. So yeah, I th- I think this is the kind of thing that pushes you from. Uh, fan to super fan to obsessive kind of territory. So, um, I think when you start painting sheds in your in your team's uh, colours, then yeah, you know you know you've got it bad. It's it's quite a serious condition <laughs> condition by yeah. by that point. Um, but I do I do have another memento with me, which uh, I will take a photo of for uh, later on. But um, um, another memento I, I have is the the shirt that I was given when I went to. The, the match against Osasuna, my first ever match, and the club really kindly gifted me uh, a shirt from that season signed by the entire squad. So um, this is something that I'm in the process of uh, creating a frame for because I'd like to display it in the house, and I may have to uh, may have to run that past my 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 wife first. But um, um, I'm planning a a frame that has the shirt, but it also has photos of some of the people that I met on that trip as well because for me it was just it was more than football it was, it was about the friendship and meeting people and forging these relationships that you know will will just carry carry with us so yeah um i'm working on a frame at the moment which will hopefully have a a lighting up element to it as well but i'm notorious for starting jobs but not finishing them and leaving things half done so i shall add that to the list of of things i should probably um do more of <laughs> you also told me when you first started uh, interacting with the fans they started sending things to the house yeah they did uh, that was the level of sort of excitement that they had about somebody taking interest in them from from far away and when i began communicating with people on the the fan forums um one of them said well if you send me your address i'll i'll send something over to you and um, you know we'd had we'd, we'd had a discussion and about um, um, where I lived and all the rest of it, but I hadn't got to the point where I was I'd sort of given anyone my address. And I thought, well, do you know what? If the guy's a serial killer and he's willing to travel all this way, then you know 
well done to him. He's 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 shown some some commitment, you know. And maybe there's a a podcast in there somewhere about faraway serial killer or something. But um, <laughs> he um, he very kindly sent. Well, the first thing that he sent over was actually a toy. Um, it's Elmo from Sesame Street wearing the Real Vidali kit, and he sent that over for um, my older child, who was um, quite quite. Uh, Quite a quite a bit younger at the the time. If we're talking um, ten ten years ago, so yeah, so he must have been about two at the time, and he was just so pleased to receive this this toy, and um, that was indicative of you know what the people were like. Um, so pretty soon stickers started arriving, uh, t-shirts. There were scarves. There were. Um, Posters, pictures, leaflets, key rings, you name it. And it's it's just gone on from there. And and, and people have been so, so generous. It, it it's it's the largest collection of lovely, the kindest people that I've ever met in my life. And it's just incredible how, how it's how it's come come about. And that's continued up to the up to this day. And the the gentleman who sent me the the Elmo doll, he has developed into basically been my best friend and and we talk almost every single day and i consider him very much being part of my family and um he considers me to be part of his family and um you know it's it's just great to share these experiences of 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 him having children and, and me having children and just comparing notes about growing up and what schools like in spain what schools like in scotland and you know this 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 whole thing just stems from this one match that happened to go along and see 10 years ago so you know it's 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 just it's it's mind-boggling it really is just how it's developed into something so um so entrenched in that this you know just just part of this community of this group of this this family and um you know every, every day every day I, I i think about it and i just think how lucky i am that that i've met these people and that i have this chap uh, carlos in my life and he's you know, he helps me with my my Spanish, which is kind of improving as 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 we go along. Um, but he, you know, he offers uh, help in that department, and his son's learning English. So sometimes I'll get this text about, you know, how do you say, you know, how do you say this word in English? And he'll send me a picture, and I'll tell him what the word is for it. And it's it's just it's just wonderful. There's just connections all over the place, and I'm I'm just so grateful that it's happened. It sounds it sounds a cliche, but it it is so much more than football. You know, it's 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 about sharing lives together, and sharing lives, sharing experiences, and sharing the good times and and the bad times. And you know, the foot the the football is just football's a part of that. It's not all there is now. And I I just couldn't have imagined sitting there watching that game ten years ago that it was going to develop into into this. And it's just it just it just kind of shows you that anything in life is possible. You know, you just you don't know what's around the corner, and there's so many opportunities to enjoy. And if if people can just share these experiences with with others, then there's there's more chance of that person, you know, getting an experience of their own, which they'll pass on to somebody, and and so on and so forth. And I think probably my my friends and my work colleagues are just you know they'll probably roll their eyes when I just start talking about. Rail Vidalid again, and but you know I, I I have people at work who who come up to me and they and they say to me so how's how's Carlos you know like he's you know just like like he's one of the guys you know um it's 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 incredible you know and you know I I, I tell people just how how kind he's been and just you know 
his adventures, my adventures, and uh, people people just think it's really cool, and it's just so so fun to be a part of it. You know, these, these clubs give a lot to us, and uh, we give a lot to them. You're doing something a little special in terms of giving back. Yeah, uh, and I'm hoping that obviously there's been massive things going on around the world this year, um, and. I, you know, I think that's probably going to delay what I'm planning on doing, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because it will give more time uh, to 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 plan and to make sure that this is done the right way. But because everybody has been so kind to me, and I want to sort of show kindness back to them in in some uh, in some shape or form, I've got a background in working with uh, children and education, and I know how important. Um, schooling is to to children, but I also know how important just sharing experiences with members of their family can can be. And I'm really acutely aware of how football can be a ve- vehicle for that to to happen. So when you've got a club like Real Valladolid that are really part of the fabric of of the city, it presents a unique opportunity to be able to combine a few of those things. So what I would like to do, because I can't be there every week i would like somebody to be there every week on my on my behalf somebody who might not otherwise get the opportunity to attend the football because football can be expensive you know la liga's by far not the most expensive league in the world but you know everybody has different things going on in their lives everybody has different upbringings and not everybody has access to the same opportunities so what i'm proposing uh, in the near future hopefully is to uh, work with the club to be able to purchase a season ticket for a child, but also a season ticket for an adult as well. And I'm going to gift the season tickets to a school in Valladolid. And I would like there to be some sort of um, recognition scheme whereby if a child has uh, worked particularly well to overcome uh, an educational hurdle, maybe there's, you know, for example, they find maths really difficult and it looks like they're very just close to just giving up on maths and saying, I can't do this. Um, but then something something happens through that hard work and it finally clicks, you know, that just that that thing just works. Um, but also if somebody has done something nice for a friend, it could be helping them when they fall over or it could be showing kindness, you know, sharing sharing food sharing a jacket if it's raining or if somebody doesn't have somebody to to play with at school going over and saying hey do you want to come and play with us i would love to be able to uh have that child nominated to be the person who wins a ticket for an upcoming real vida lead match but also to take somebody with them to take an adult you know an auntie or an uncle or a mum or dad or even a a grandma or a grandpa or just just somebody to share that time together, going along and supporting the team that they otherwise might not be able to go and see. And, you know, maybe they don't get to see a member of their family very often, but this could be a situation where you could create an opportunity for two people to come together um, with one of them having done something, you know, kind or hardworking and then just going and enjoying an afternoon at the football and 
taking it all in because it's a fantastic place to to go to watch football. The stadium on the inside is is really nice. It's a it's a beautiful beautiful place to go and watch a beautiful game. Uh, and you know how about just making it that little bit special by um, getting somebody who might not be able to get there, you know, into a seat, and you know that person can support them on on my behalf. So although I'm a far away fan, I could have somebody there because of me, and I I just think that um, that would be really cool to be able to do that. And I've been in touch with the club already, and uh, I've been in touch with a very helpful gentleman called David Espinar, who works very closely with uh, Ronaldo. And he's uh, he's agreed that this is something that we can look into facilitating, and um, when the time is right, we'll we'll get some time together and we'll discuss it, and we'll hopefully push that forward. And when fans are allowed back in the stadium, maybe somebody will get to go and see the team for the first time um, because of this this initiative. So I think that would be really nice to be able to do that and just give back, you know, give back. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think it's such a simple but brilliant idea and I, I really wish you the very best for that. That's really kind of you, Sean. It's so important. And, you know, as, as somebody who, who is a faraway fan, to do this for somebody who's local, you know, it's, it's uh, I can't find the words and enough of the words to praise you for the brilliance of this idea and, and just how noble it is. And it's, it's just a sweet, sweet gesture that I think will go a long way in, in helping uh, somebody just get to the ground and experience something uh, that they usually wouldn't have the opportunity to. Thank you very much. That's really kind of you to say so. I mean, I just, I know how much the experience of going there meant to me. And now I'm almost 40. Uh, So like, if you could just imagine how, uh, just how overwhelming that experience would be for a child, you know, to go there for the first time. I just, I just think everybody should get the chance to, to go to the football. Nobody should be priced out of it but if they are you know there's all mm. there's always a way of making making things work you know nothing nothing is impossible i i, like I say i wouldn't have yeah. be, believed that i would have been able to be in this this position uh to to be a part of this and i just think that their kindness has been stretched out towards me over here so these guys have been kind of far away fans for me so you know, if I get the opportunity to to do something in return, it's uh, yeah, it's my way of saying thank you to them and um, helping somebody out. It's brilliant. And how are you going about this? You said a uh, uh, GoFundMe. Page. Yeah, aha. Uh-huh. Um, the the details of it are are still still in the planning stage because there's far okay. more to consider um, than you know mm-hmm. than I had initially thought. So what I would like to do is is to hopefully get. Um, get a GoFundMe page set up or something similar that if people wanted to, that they could contribute to that. Um, I'd like to do some fundraising myself. So I'm going to come up with uh, some ideas as to how I can raise funds on Scottish soil by doing something here. And I've already spoken to a couple of businesses in, in my local area and some of them have connections with Spain already uh, mm-hmm. who are quite interested in helping out so um so it would not just be you know myself that would be facilitating the season ticket it could be any number of people so if people wanted to contribute you know uh, a british pound or if they wanted to contribute one euro and say that they were they were part of it you know who knows you know we might even be able to to afford one of the really good seats that um 
uh, you know, or a private box or something, you know, there's there's the possibility that um, it wouldn't just be you know a, a, a kind of a regular seat, um, but it just you know if 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 I put it in the hands of other people and say look, you know this is your chance to to jump on board and you know the more of us who work together the the more we could do for somebody then I'm uh, I'm pretty confident that that people would jump on that train and and help out. So when the yeah. when the details are. Yeah. finalized i'll i'll certainly publicize it as as widely as i i can and like you know you know you've been a fan you said 10 mm-hmm. years now so what has it meant to you this journey if i could sum it up in one word it would be everything that one word would be everything i wow we we could we could talk for another 5 hours <laughs> about 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 what it means to me um but i'll i'll try and keep it I'll try and keep it short and I'll try and not get emotional about it but <laughs> it just means um having the chance to represent a group of people in my day-to-day life be it by wearing their shirt to somewhere or sending out a tweet on Twitter or putting out a picture on Instagram or just telling somebody who's got an interest in football about them you know who this club are who the fans are what they're like um how kind they are um they often get overlooked in terms of you know the the bigger clubs and you know their proximity to real madrid means that many people in the the city choose to be real madrid fans but the fans that choose to get behind real valladolid are so passionate and they're so enthusiastic and the club means so much to them i think when you become a fan of a club you then have a responsibility to to carry that passion through as well that you you just can't take it lightly you can't be there for the good times and not the bad times you know if this team went down to playing part-time football in a regional league in spain i i i would still follow them and i know that the vast majority of fans would as well um and because those fans have welcomed me and called me one of their own you know i have a i have a responsibility to um to uphold that loyalty and i'm more than prepared to do that you know i would um you know i i'm not the furthest away f- fan but um you know the the love for the i i have for this club literally just makes smiles melt away you know uh, I've, i they make they make me feel like i'm as as part of it as somebody who has a season ticket and sits there every you know every weekend um and i just wish that the world was more aware of how beautiful the city of valladolid is how noble the club is and just what a great set of supporters and how much kindness they've shown me and i just want to to share that as widely as as i can so so this club if they lose 5-0 if they win 1-0 it to me uh, every, every every day is special and again it, you know it it sounds like a cliche but um it's it's just so much more than the 11 men on the field it's it's about the people in the stands it's about you know so and so's grandfather who who used to go and watch the team but can't anymore but you know got to see great teams in the 60s and 70s and 80s and what have you it's just you know it's 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 an unbelievably humbling experience to be a part of this family and you know fans that follow bigger teams or you know they they might be missing out on this you know um 
and I just yeah I, I I just I wish I wish more people got the got the chance to experience what I've experienced because the last 10 years have been just nothing short of phenomenal and I think the next 10 years are going to be even better you know and that's that's setting the bar quite high because I'm going to do everything that I can to put this club on the map so that more people know about them and more people you know are aware of the name and just the the great work that they do and you know if we win some games along the way while we're doing that that's that's a bonus but for me it's you know it's all about the people and i'm sure that they're going to do well especially with a mm-hmm. fan like you uh, such a brilliant ambassador for the club really passion which you showed and uh, the way that you discuss the club and all that they've they've done for you and what you're doing for the club uh, i really admire it uh, Marty. Thank you. That's that's really kind of you, Sean. And thank you so much because I mean I think you're 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 doing great work and just giving people like me the opportunity to uh to tell my story. And you've given lots of other people that opportunity too. And now I'm aware of of people and I'm aware of uh little intricacies and nuances about clubs that I was never aware of before. So as far as I'm concerned, your 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 podcast is the the first that I've come across that that's doing this. And I, I think it takes a very special person to be able to say, I want other people to tell their stories. So, you know, I'm sitting here telling mine and telling about the people of Vidalid, but it's just a drop in the ocean compared to what you're taking the time to do to allow people to share their passions. And and I think, you know, I, I think you should be commended for that as well. You know, I think you're giving people a really okay. unique chance Thank to that, to share what's important to them and I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to other people's stories because I know how much it means to them yeah. and for you to sit there and just uh, spend so much time uh, enabling that to to happen is just you know it's 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 out of this world and I feel really genuinely quite honored to to have been approached to to be asked to be a part of this and you know I can't thank you enough for that oh you you're, you're being far too kind uh i feel uh, it's a privilege of mine to be able to listen to people and you know it's it's such a joy listening to uh, people talking about uh, things that they're passionate about it's such a joy listening to all these stories i feel i'm privileged to be a part of this and uh, you know just just share in their experiences and learning about um, you know clubs all these clubs i'm i'm getting a a far away fans perspective on all these clubs and they're not small clubs i'd like to i like to say they're yeah. niche clubs the more i learn about these clubs you know it's uh, it's a real privilege and it's just been so interesting to hear so many common threads running through everybody's everybody's stories you know they're yeah. they're they're so unique but so similar in so many ways and and just from a from a humanistic standpoint it's just so interesting that people can experience different things in so many different ways but they're to be common lines running through that and 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 I, I think it's about a welcoming you know and I've experienced a great welcome and then I know that some of your other guests have have as well and I think that's 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 a pretty special thing when the world is uh you know the world's divided in so many ways and it's so much easier to knock somebody down than to to pick them up and it just shows that there's people all around the world willing to to work to to bring people up and and further them and and you know that's exactly what you're doing with with this podcast the easy thing would be to just you know do what i'm doing and 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 pick a team and and bang on about them but you're you're picking people as your as your subject matter and and spending a lot of your time to to give them the chance to to um 
to share share their joy and their passion so it's it's awesome it really is thank you thank you and uh, i just want to thank you again uh, marty for coming on farway fan the site looks great the new logo looks mm-hmm. brilliant i eagerly await your podcast and i hope that we can chat again absolutely soon. i would love to and the 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 podcast is inching its way ever closer and you know my my 2019 season preview has uh, had to become my t- season 2020 preview but you know hey there's 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 bumps in the road as we go along and it's it's fun and certainly you know uh, i'll i'll publicize it widely when it when it comes to together and we'll um, yeah it'd be great to work together on some stuff in the future thanks again marty for coming on it was a joy and a privilege to hear you speak about real thank viability you, thanks so much for your time and thank you for asking me to be part of it Sadly, a few days after recording this heartfelt episode with us, Marty's dad passed away. Our deepest sympathies and condolences to Marty and his family.